Hi there, this is Michael Westra with Breaking the Systems of Control podcast. Come hang out with me as we explore and pursue true freedom, liberty, and the art of minding your own business. What's up, everyone? You are listening to episode 12 of Breaking the Systems of Control podcast. In today's episode, we have a special guest, uh, Josh Reynolds. Josh is coming on with us to talk about his journey as an entrepreneur and how these kind of things he's doing are leading to his liberation and, and more freedom in general in his life and his family's life. He's a perfect fit for the podcast. So Josh, he does uh, appliance repair, permaculture design, and him and his wife have a, a business where they sell herbal products such as teas and tinctures and soaps. On top of that, he has his own homestead. So he's doing a lot, and I, I think you all are really going to like him, and I'm excited to bring him on. But before we get into that, let's talk about the social media. Cringe of the week. So the social media cringe of the week is something that I've actually been seeing for a while, especially throughout 2020. And where they're saying something along the lines of, yeah, political views shouldn't destroy relationships, but being a hateful racist should. Which, yeah, I'll give them that. That's true. That, that should destroy your relationship with your friends and family if they are hateful racist. But at the same time, what is their definition of racism? If it's just a conservative Trump supporter then no, that, that's not racist. If, if it's a, a libertarian like me who, who doesn't support violent acts in the streets uh, by Black Lives Matter, no, that, that's not racist. Sorry. Anyway, uh, let's jump right into the podcast. Joshua, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So do, do you go by uh, Josh or Joshua, or do, do you not? Yeah, um, either one, really. Josh is what I usually go by just because it's easier to say. But, uh, you know, usually if I'm in trouble, it's Joshua. <laughs> so tell me a little about yourself. Uh, what, what's the, the story of you? Uh, what do you do? And we'll go from there. Well, uh, I grew up in Texas. Uh, my dad was in the Navy, so we moved around quite a bit. But I was born in Texas. Uh, moved around until around second grade, and I've been back in the greater Houston area uh, pretty much since then. Um, went to a private school for a while until I got tired of it and uh, couldn't talk my parents into, into you know, putting me into a, a normal school. So I got kicked out of that school, ended up going to a public school, graduating from uh, Klein High School uh, in spring. And... Um, and then I've just kind of been doing my own thing ever since then. I've, I've had a couple of jobs. I've had a couple of sales jobs, um, uh, but mostly contract positions throughout my life. I never really liked being, uh, you know, directly under somebody's thumb. Um, and I never really liked the whole employee thing. One of the things my dad taught me when I was, when I had my first job, when I was still in, in school is, uh, you know, how to do my taxes. So I always did my own taxes. Um, and he kind of taught me, you know, the, this is what you're supposed to do and this is how you can get out of doing that, uh, you know, legally of course. And, and, uh, so I thought that that was uh, great cause you know, I like my money. I don't like giving it away. So, um, I knew as being a contractor, uh, I had a lot more freedom in that regard. So I've pretty much been a contractor for the last, oh, I don't know, 30 years, maybe. 20, 20, 25 years, something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, and just uh, just recently, I decided that uh, the job that I was at as a contractor um, really had nowhere else to go. Decided to learn a new trade, which was, um, well, actually, I started a permaculture design business. I took a permaculture course under Jeff Lawton when he came out with his new uh, 2.0 online PDC. That was fantastic. Um, I started a company called Texas Edible Landscapes. Awesome. Did a, yeah, did a huge media push for that. 
um, really try to get the ball rolling. But here in Southeast Texas, um, you know, it just, it was a tough market. I, I got a few people that, uh, you know, that wanted, uh, that helped me build my portfolio. They let me do the full design. I went over there and met with them, you know, looked at their property, talked about what their goals were. Uh, some of them implemented that design, which was great. And, um, and then I got a few paying customers, also led classes, uh, introduction of permaculture, where we built a uh, food forest for a church. Um, so that was good. That, that's still in operation. Uh, I'm not sure how they're maintaining it, though. They're, they're, I'm not really in contact with them anymore. But, but the market was tough. So um, I decided to learn uh, appliance repair because I figured that was something that would always be in style. You know, people were either going to, uh, you know, have to get their appliances repaired at some point. So, so that's something that's not going to be automated very easily. Um, so it's a good skill to have. I did that. And um, while I was doing that, uh, my wife learned about herbs. And we started a company called Angie's Gardens, where we sell uh, basically herbal health and wellness products. So um, that got me to the point where I could uh, basically work from home uh, full time. She's been working from home for full time uh, on that for the last couple of years. So, um, so that's what I'm doing now. And now that we've had the pandemic, I actually start. Uh, I've actually started getting back into the Texas edible landscapes. Um, you know, when people couldn't buy toilet paper or they couldn't go to the store and buy cilantro or whatever it is they were trying to buy, you know, I think it kind of shook some people up and, and they started realizing that the supply chain is not exactly um, as secure as they thought it was. So right. I'm getting back into that. So so uh, some of this pandemic stuff kind of um, gave you a little more business in your permaculture design stuff. It did. It did. And I, and I was still doing the appliance repair at the time and uh, trying to get Angie's Gardens off the ground enough so that I could um, do that full time. So as the phone calls were coming in, I was not able to take those clients. Um, and uh, so but now that I am here full time, we are working on uh, setting up new classes. I've got a customer here just about five miles from me with acre property that wants to hold classes on on her land, uh, you know, as a homeowner, she's going to get the benefit of a free design and I'll get the benefit of, of being able to teach classes again. So that's good. And uh, going to have to do a media push to get clients. Um, you know, Facebook was my go to for that. But uh, I think I'm shadow banned on Facebook, so <laughs> not getting any love there. So we're going to we're going to have to find another way. Yeah. Uh, so with, with the appliance repair, were, were you just doing that to kind of hold you over till you get more clients in the permaculture side or are, are you still planning on continuing doing that? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was helping a buddy out. Um, he uh, he owns a small company doing appliance repair and it's basically just him and somebody else. And the other uh, the other guy was kind of getting out of it. And so I stepped in to help him. And uh, he taught me and, you know, it was kind of mutual, mutually beneficial for both of us. So um, I learned a skill, but I couldn't keep working for him just because I was I was too busy. It was getting to the point where I couldn't afford to go to work for him, you know. And so I, I figured that because the way that that worked since it was since it was a contract position, which that's the only position I would ever take is um, basically I make 35 percent of whatever he makes 65 percent. So. While I was making good money doing that, you know, full-time income, I was also making a full-time income with Angie's Gardens, and they really needed me here in order to be able to grow that business um, because I was going out fixing people's appliances all day, and then I'd come home and, you know, help run the business side of Angie's Gardens. So uh, with this, I think we're going to be able to get it to where we can, we can double our business uh, from last year, hopefully. Um, that's the goal. And... Um, and then also, when I have free time, you know, maybe do some appliance repair on the side. Uh, I would love to do that. I like doing it. It's good money. Uh, and there's plenty of customers around here. Um, and if I could get, you know, one or two guys doing it for me uh, under the same model that I trained, uh, that'd be great. But my passion really is Angie's Gardens and the Texas Edible Landscapes. Okay. So um, with the Texas Edible Landscapes and the the herb stuff, um, 
what what led you uh, and your wife into doing this stuff? What was there a particular moment in your life where you decided that you wanted to do this? Was it because this was uh, able to get give you more control of your income? Do you is it from the side where you you think permaculture could be a, a real um, could make a real difference in the world? What led you to do this? Well. You know, there there are people in the world that can make a real difference in the world. You know, there there are those people. I think I can make a difference in my world, not necessarily the world. So it wasn't that. Um, it, we we kind of got into it a, a little by accident. Um, my daughter, uh, she started swelling up in random places: her thumb, her ear, her eyelid, her nose, whatever. Sometimes she'd wake up, she'd just be swollen. And a uh, doctor couldn't figure it out. They sent her to a uh, allergist. Allergist couldn't find anything she was allergic to. So they said, start keeping a food journal. Well, she was 13. That wasn't really going to happen. So me and Angie, we tried to keep a food journal for her as much as we could. And that led us to start reading ingredients on the packages. And we were like, what the hell is this in our food? Like, you know, that's the same thing that's in my lighter in my pocket. I don't understand yeah. why why it's on my bag of chips. So, so I was like, okay, probably it's going to be a food allergy because we don't even know what's in the food. So we decided we were going to start buying all organic. I quickly found out how expensive that was. And I said, well, I lived in the country kind of, you know, like, you know, unrestricted. And so I said, well, we're going to grow a garden. So we planted a garden and uh, I think it was the first year of the garden. And uh, she started getting a cold uh, I had some lemon balm that I had bred was, uh, was good for like an antiviral. So I said, Hey, let me make you some lemon balm and honey tea and you won't get sick. And Angie was like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, whatever. She was like, I gotta look this up. So I made the tea, uh, the daughter drank the tea, uh, didn't end up getting sick, which, you know, was great. And Angie like just really was fascinated by by that and started looking into herbs and she got fascinated with herbs and uh, decided to you know just start making products out of herbs you know she made soaps and salves and uh, lotions and all sorts of cool stuff and we were taking them and you know and she was giving a lot away and it got to the point where I was like babe you know we're buying a lot of stuff that you're giving away we're not going to be able to afford to do this much longer you need to try to sell it at the farmer's market. And so she was like, no, no, anybody can do this. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, anybody can make a pizza too. And there's like a pizza place on every corner. So, right. you know, let's just try it. And she did. Uh, and it was a huge success. Um, so we, we decided to, you know, kind of perfect the system. We stayed at only one market for about six months. And then we decided to go ahead and, and kind of expand. So we, we picked up another market. And uh, as, you know, we had success with every market, we just can, decided to keep going. I think before uh, before they started shutting everything down last year, we were doing 15 markets a week. So, um, Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and sometimes we still hit those numbers. Some of our markets are still closed, uh, but we're always trying to expand. We're in a few stores, you know, local stores. And, um, so, so you started off doing the farmer's market and, and it sounds like you're still doing it a little bit. Uh, what, what, um, when, when did you decide to take it online for, for the online sales? Immediately. Immediately. We actually launched the website ahead of the first farmer's market. Um, so our launch date was going to be, uh, of the summer solstice of 2018 so not even three years ago um and that's when we launched the website uh but we didn't start the market until that saturday which was i think it was a wednesday tuesday or wednesday or something we launched the website which i built because you know i didn't want to hire anybody i mean websites can be expensive and then you also if you don't know who you're dealing with or whatever you never know what you're going to get so right. I, just, I just went to youtube university and you know picked out mm -hmm. a couple of people to watch and you know, figured it out. And I was listening to Jack too at the time. And, you know, he was talking about WordPress. So at least I knew a, a starting point. Yeah. I need the, <laughs> I need to start using WordPress. I, 
I didn't know a whole lot when I started designing my website and I thought my best option was to use Wix. Uh-huh. And and the problem with Wix is you know, you're relying on someone else's server. So mm-hmm. I mean at uh, I mean especially with the controversial uh topics I talk about at any moment they could just shut it down. Um I mean my my podcast luckily are hosted on a, a different RSS feed which that's another rabbit hole to go into because I should be self-hosting that as well. But I'm, so I'm relying on the Wix website and I'm also relying on uh, red circle, which is similar to like, um, uh, like anchor, but it's a different it, anchor from what I've read. They, they, uh, they're kind of a Nazi, like kind of like Facebook and they, they oh. censor a lot of stuff. So, I decided to go with Red Circle, but I'm going to have to do a little more research on self-hosting, and I, I want to learn um, WordPress, and, and that way I, I'll be reliant on my own servers and stuff. WordPress is pretty easy. I mean, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a bunch of great videos on YouTube, and um, I can't think of the guy's name, but he's always, like, that's what all he does is teaches WordPress, and uh, he's easy to follow, he's easy to listen to, he doesn't, uh, you know, he's not boring, and uh, and he's very thorough, too. Some of, some of his videos are 20 minutes long, just talking about one plug-in. Some of them are an hour and a half telling you how to build a whole website and going through everything, so. Right. But I did hear... You know, talking about self-hosting, um, that could be a little complicated, but I did hear that there's a freedom-loving uh, server company out there called Epic, I believe. Um, so you might you might look into that. I haven't yet. One one thing I'm I'm looking into, and I that's part of the reason I want to get into WordPress. But uh, there, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Unstoppable Domains? Mm-mm. So essentially, they are website domains hosted on the blockchain, which is pretty pretty awesome. Uh, so so essentially, one, once your website is up on the blockchain, it can't ever be taken down. the The only possible issues you would ever have is if there was some sort of movement or regulation against uh, web browsers from supporting those domains, because it's actually a plugin. Uh, I think it's called Web3, uh, a Web3 plugin to be able to support those domains. So I'm, from my understanding, I can use IPFS from WordPress and transfer the the code onto my Unstoppable Domains uh, website. And I, because I actually reserved a couple domain names on there because I, I just didn't want anyone taking it. So, yeah. And what's also cool about those domains, it's worth looking into for you because you you do uh, cryptocurrency transactions. So with the unstoppable domains, whatever domain name you choose, so like mine is breakingthesystems.crypto. I, I haven't set them up yet, but essentially you can set up your cryptocurrency wallets uh, in uh, each separate cryptocurrency with that domain. And... They don't have access to your private keys. The only thing they have access to is your uh, your send address. And all they have to do to send you a payment is type in, for me, uh, breakingthesystems.crypto and press send, and I, I get my cryptocurrency instead of having to copy and paste that yeah, yeah. long address. So it's it's pretty huh. cool. Yeah, well, that sounds awesome. I am working on another website right now. Uh, it's going to be so my main website is angiesgardens.com. That's the one. It's up. It's fully functioning. Um, the The problem that I've had uh, is running ads. So because one of the things that we sell is CBD, um, and we have a full line of of all organic, handcrafted CBD, which which is great. Uh, right. But but we can't Google Facebook. We can't pay for ads. I completely forgot about that. The SEO is it's kind of limited because right. yeah. So, so I, I, and so it's it's interesting because even if I try to run an ad for um, just an herbal tea that's that's no CBD or nothing in it, um, we, they won't approve it because they say that the destination contains CBD. So what I'm what I'm doing now is I'm creating uh, Angie's Gardens.net, 
and it's up, it's live, you can go, it's not finished, but you can go check it out. Um, and what I'm going to do with that website is only talk about hemp. So there won't be any mention of CBD, there won't be any mention like that, it's all going to just mention hemp. Which, hemp products you can advertise. Um, it, that's not banned from Google or Facebook. So what I'll do is just kind of use that as a landing page uh, that I can advertise and then have a link from there over to angiesgardens.com for them to actually buy the products. So is there actually a difference between a, uh, let's say, just like a, a CBD tincture and a hemp tincture? Or is there a different process in which that's uh, extracted? Obviously, your hemp product would still have uh, those cannabinoids in it, but uh, what, what's the difference? Well... So, for example, I'm, I'm going to give you a situation that came up at, at one of our markets. There was a lady that tried our, um, uh, well, we were talking about CBD, and, and she saw that I sold the 3000 and she was like, oh, yeah, that's the one that I buy from Amazon. And she was like, wait, no, I get, I get 30,000 milligrams from Amazon. And I was like, no. I said, no, there's no, there's no 30,000 milligram CBD tincture out there. Um, and she said, yeah, yeah, it's 30,000. And I said, and then her husband was like, babe, it says 30,000 milligrams of hemp. And I was like, yeah. oh. and she was talking about how it wasn't working or doing what she wanted. And, uh, and I'm not sure exactly what she wanted to get out of it. But, um, but so, so if you're, if you, if you're consuming hemp oil, um, it's very good for you. It's a healthy fat, um, but it doesn't contain, the cannabinoids and the reason why is because they use the seed mostly they get the fat from the seed um, and so there's no cannabinoids in the seed which is why you can have hemp seed cereal um, you can have hemp oil as a, as a cooking oil um, but it's there's no benefit uh, as far as the CBD or, or, or the other cannabinoids go um, oh I, so I didn't know that uh, yeah. I, I actually have some dog treats that say hemp on it. And I thought I was giving my dog CBD. So those calming benefits probably didn't work. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Unless, unless it was just an advertising to, but on the, on the package, it should say, um, if it's an actual CBD product, it should have, uh, the dosing information so this many milligrams of cbd and usually it'll be per treat and then also in the bag so it'll yeah, say like sure. 300 milligrams in the bag each treat is 10 milligrams okay so with this other website where you're gonna focus on the hemp are you focusing on specifically hemp products like we're talking about or are you using that to kind of skirt around the cbd uh rules with seo Oh, yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Just for SEO. I mean, I'll, I'll say we have hemp oil, high quality hemp oil, you know, all this. And, and it'll have our other products on there, too, the non-CBD products because they're not banned. But um, but then if they want to actually buy the CBD products, instead of having those listed on Angie'sGardens.net, it'll send them over to Angie'sGardens.com where they can actually view the products and buy them. Gotcha. That's pretty awesome. So uh, let, let's take it back just a little bit. So you were talking about permaculture. I've, I've talked, I, that word has been mentioned a few times on my podcast. I've never really gone into what permaculture is. I know you, we could go down a rabbit hole for days talking about it, but uh, can you give the listeners kind of a breakdown of what permaculture is and, and how it could benefit pretty much everybody? So if you notice that the, the word permaculture is not in my business name, and that's because a lot of people don't know what it is. Some people think they know what it is and they don't, you know, and, and so I consider it edible landscapes. Now, in today's day and age, whenever I say edible landscapes, people think, ooh, edibles, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 this isn't Colorado, so you know, um, so, but basically what I do and what permaculture is in a nutshell is working with nature instead of working against nature. Um, you know, a lot of times people will think, oh, I wish I could grow a garden, but I don't have the room or 
my HOA won't let me or something like that. And so I specialize in taking individuals' needs, looking at the property as a whole and what they're trying to get out of it and kind of working within those limitations. Can you kind of give just a real quick example of how having something like livestock, a garden, and uh, your your um, uh, water runoff and swells kind of work together uh, in a system of permaculture? Like, uh, I, I just kind of want to paint a picture for the listeners to kind of understand what you mean when you're talking about uh, things working together naturally. Well, I, uh, I had a tree that got struck by lightning and, uh, it, it did not die, but, um, over the course of several years, it started throwing branches at my kids. And so I figured it was time for this tree to go. And so we cut the tree down. Um, and it was a nice oak tree. I mean, I didn't want to cut it down, but it, it was dying after getting struck by lightning. And so, um, we cut the tree down and instead of just you know, chopping up the root or whatever. We, I actually had a buddy with an excavator come over and uh, we dug out the roots. We, we chopped everything up. Um, and then in the hole that, that the roots were in, we basically filled all of that. And, and we, we shaped the land a little bit so it would lay with, with how the water flowed. But, but we, uh, we threw all the wood back in the ground, covered it up with a, a free horse manure that we got from a horse farm down the road. Um, and then put an organic compost on top of it and plant it in that. And what would happen is I would have runoff from the driveway uh, that would go directly into that buried wood. And that wood would just soak that water up. And then in, in the droughts that we have in the summertime, that would help extend um, the moisture in the ground. Uh, another thing that I did was I took our washer and dryer or our washer connection and ran the drain into a... Um, one of those four inch corrugated pipes and ran that in a French drain out to the garden all underground so that there was no, you know, no pipes exposed, but that ran directly beside where that wood was buried so that, you know, all of the water from my washing machine would be used to water the garden. And um, another thing that we did was on the other side of the driveway, we had a, we had a tree. So I decided to, uh, put the chickens under there, let them fertilize the tree. Uh, and then we had, a, it was just a gravel driveway. So that was raised up higher than the driveway. So whenever it would rain, it would wash the nutrients from under that tree, past the driveway and then into the garden, thereby fertilizing the garden. So that's just one example. So, so with permaculture design, uh, I'm sure they, they use a lot of, uh, like tractor systems with with their livestock i have not done that um the last property i was on was a third of an acre uh this property that i'm on now is a half acre um but it's not it's not really set up in a, in a way that would that would benefit tractoring and i have two german shepherds that are outdoor dogs so you know for me to have uh animals in a tractor that would that would be really exciting for the dogs <laughs> No. <laughs> so what I try to focus on here on a, on a smaller scale is rabbits. Uh, we did rabbits for a while um, and we would do the chickens underneath the rabbits. So, so we did have chickens and we would, we would let them uh, kind of free range, but it was free range within, you know, some, some chicken wire, but they were underneath the rabbits. And so when the rabbits would drop um, that would create worms, worms would come in and we actually even got uh, some quail and i had always tried to get into um uh the black soldier fly larva never was successful in it never was able to attract them as soon as i got quail and the quail started dropping into uh on the ground the black soldier fly just showed up <laughs> really yeah and i didn't do anything i didn't put them in a system to harvest them all I would do is I got the chickens out. I moved, that's when I moved them over to underneath the, the oak tree and, um, and let the black soldier fly get to a certain population. As soon as I saw that there was a lot of them under there, I would let the chickens out. They would go scratch it all up, eat as many grubs as they could, and then I'd chase them off so that I didn't lose the whole population. And uh, that was free chicken food. So, that, I mean, they just showed yeah, that's up. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so a, a big... 
benefit to using permaculture design is you're you're essentially allowing the natural occurrences to work together. So you're you're fi figuring out ways where you can use nature to feed your 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 livestock, and you're using your your livestock's uh, manure to, for compost, and and you're using the water runoff to to benefit watering your your system, your gardens, instead of having to, you know, run all your well water or your, your city water. So it essentially what you're describing, it's just allowing nature to just do what it does best. It, that, that's right. Yeah. And it's, and it's all about connections, you know, um, minimizing your work, uh, but, but creating systems that kind of replicate themselves, um, and are, and are interconnected, you know, so I might have something on one side of my property, something else on the other side of the property, but somehow I always try to connect these systems. And that property I set up kind of before I was actually educated in permaculture. I had heard of it and I knew some, um, you know, some of the systems that, that permaculturists would use, but I didn't really know how to make the connections that great. So when you looked at the property, uh, it flowed and it functioned but not everything was correct. Um, now on this property, I'm, I'm taking a step back, you know, even my wife, she's like, Josh, we got to get going. And I'm like, look, winter's coming. You know, we haven't lived here. We haven't been through a heavy rain. We need to see how the water flows. We need to see how the sun, you know, the angles are on the sun um, and just kind of live here at least through the winter before we get started. But, but I'm in the planning process and um, getting a lot of good design ideas. Right. Uh, so w with these kind of designs, is this something that large scale farmers can use or is this something that is mostly for small scale homesteads? What, what's your opinion on that? Well, I'm going to say it's probably uh, better suited for small scale homesteads. And the only reason why I say that, that's not really correct, but the only reason why I say that is because there's more small, small scale homesteads than there are large farms. Um, and I think that um, I have designed some some larger properties and it sometimes you, you go through a design and they just don't want to implement it because they're they're scared. These people, you know, they have to make an income. Uh, that's what they depend on for their livelihood. And so in order to change from, you know, row cropping or something like that into a permaculture design, it it scares them. It's, right. it's definitely doable and there's ways to make income during the transition, um, but it scares them. And my focus is on the smaller property just because that's that's what I'm around and I think I can reach a lot more people. And I think I think that if you know one farmer transitions to a permaculture design system, um, you know, that could that could theoretically help a hundred to a thousand people, depending on the size of his farm. But if I can get a hundred people to do their own systems, you know, that's going to spread like wildfire. Right. So as time goes on and, and permaculture becomes more and more mainstream because it, it seems to be taking off, um, do, you, do you think that there's going to be more regulations on, on different things because this is becoming a threat to these large-scale uh, corporations, these monopolies? You know, it all depends on which clown is in the White House, honestly. So, right. I mean, yeah. So, whatever. You can. I don't know. I can't predict that. And 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 honestly, um, regulations <laughs> regulations are only for rule followers. Uh, you know, as long, <laughs> as long as long as GovCorp can get eighty percent of the population to go along with them without any kind of resistance, then they don't really care what the twenty percent's doing, you know. Right. They it's it's all the idea of mob rules. The, the only reason why uh, government even is even legitimate is because the majority acknowledge it as legitimate. If everybody collectively decided, no, we, it, this isn't a legitimate uh, rule over my life, then they wouldn't exist. So one of the things that I specialize in is. Um, is working under regulations in an HOA. I don't live in an HOA and I never would live in an HOA, but, yeah. but I know a lot of people do. The majority of people do. 
and they have a lot of regulations, you know, and, and so one of the things that I specialize in is, is helping me. And, you know, I would, I like to make my designs, you know, for somebody that wants a full permaculture design and they're going to be actively involved with it. That's really great. Cause I can do a lot of things, but for somebody that says, you know, my husband, Kyle, he, you know, he is always at work all day and, and, uh, you know, I got to take care of my two kids and, and the two dogs and, I don't have a lot of time to deal with it, but I do want a way to grow my own food and I don't want to use a bunch of chemicals. You know, for somebody that like that, that wants minimal input, but wants some return, um, I like to put in gardens that you can't even really see, you know, just, and, that, and that's why, that's why I call my business Texas Edible Landscapes, because I think of it more like it's a landscape where you can just walk around and pick your dinner. Right. And, and that's kind of the situation I'm in right now. I'm, I'm working a lot as I, I kind of grow some of my side businesses and, uh, I don't live in a HOA, but I, I may as well live in a HOA cause I'm within, uh, essentially right on the outskirts of Detroit city. So I'm, I'm in the suburbs. I do have an acre, but for example, the city rules are that we can't have more than three animals in general. But I mean, with that said, my, my, my goal is be to, uh, I can't have chickens because my neighbors are, you know, a bunch of weirdos who would probably call the police on me. But uh, with quail, I, I could definitely do quail in my garage. And, and so I, I'm planning on incorporating that into my system I do have a, a a garden I started last year. It's it's a decent size, but what you were talking about with like forest uh, gardening, where where you just kind of let it do its thing, I do have this small uh, overgrown forest area in my back uh, near my fence line, and I'm I'm thinking I want to do exactly that, and maybe maybe we can stay in contact and plan something out and. On my, on my little third of an acre, um, over time, I had, I had three mini food forests. So right outside our front window, right off of our front patio by the driveway, we had, um, and I'm probably going to miss some, but we had a pomegranate, two orange trees, an avocado tree, um, we had uh, goji berries, blackberries, blueberries. We had uh, guava. And then as a ground cover, we had uh, lemon balm, lime balm, mints. Uh, we had a bunch of comfrey in there. Uh, and then we had a bunch of weeds, you know. We had a bunch of flowering weeds. And that's a really good benefit because those flowering weeds, or even if you put flowers in there, something with pollen that's going to attract um uh, you know, beneficial insects that are going to come prey on the insects that are going to eat your food. Um, you know, when I first started doing this and really before I learned about permaculture, but I, I was trying to learn about gardening, uh, I was like, okay, we need to grow only food and that's it. Only things that are productive. Um, but you know, beauty is productive. And especially if you have a wife, girlfriend or kids, you know, they like flowers. Well, there's a lot of edible flowers, but there's a lot of beneficial flowers too. You know, flowers that have fragrance that are going to attract in bees and wasps, you know, those, those are all beneficial as well. So, so definitely want to think in layers, um, not just, not just the horizontal space that you have, but also the vertical as well. So like your, uh, ground coverage, your shrubs, your vining varieties, your trees, uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely planning on doing that because I, I think that would be. I, I still want my, my regular garden where it's at, but I want to incorporate something that's a little more self-regulating so where I don't have to do as much work while I'm building these side businesses of mine. So Right. So and the, other, the other thing I like about those more wild areas like that that we're talking about is, you know, if, uh, if you're, you know, if, if you have a garden bed, um, you really need to make sure that that's weeded, you know, that the grass doesn't overgrow in it because you're not going to be having a ground cover really in a garden bed, you know, um, 
lemon balm, lime balm, you know, anything like that, because it's going to take over. I mean, the roots are massive. But if you have an area where it's very diversified, um, you know, if, if a weed pops up here and there, it's no big deal, you know. And it's also nice to be able to walk through as the variety and the seasons change and always have something else there that's either reseeded or is there permanently. Right. Yeah, my, my, my issue, my only issue with that type of area is that I – I'm really bad with poison ivy, and every time I walk back there, I'm just head to toe covering poison ivy. Like I, I pretty much over the summer. I, I live in Michigan, so uh, the summer months is when I, I get it really bad. But I, it's all summer long. I, I'm covered in poison ivy. Mm. But um, so uh, one big thing with this podcast is it's. We are, I'm, I'm more libertarian centric and, and more leaning toward the anarchist and agorist side. Uh, but it's kind of talking about the practical approaches to creating more freedom in your own life. Would you be able to tie in uh, entrepreneurship and, and even if you wanted to tie in uh, some of the permaculture stuff and how that can benefit someone in creating more freedom in their own life? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I do this full-time now. My wife does it full-time. We both make a great full-time income from Angie's Gardens, um, and that that's a huge blessing. But throughout the journey, and, it, and it's been a very short journey. I mean, if you think about, um, I, I was able to come to work full-time for myself uh, on Thanksgiving of 2020 when we started the business from scratch. I mean, basically with no customers not really even a plan, um, you know, just somewhat of an idea uh, in June, late June of 2018. So less than two and a half years, we were both able to do this full time. And one of the things that really helped with that was dedication, um, but also being willing to not get paid. You know, all the money that we made from this and, and I was able to support, you know, the household with my income. So I didn't need that in order to be able to pay my bills. Um, and, and one of the reasons why is when we bought our house, it was 2006. And when we started house shopping, I wanted to buy the least expensive house possible because I looked around and I seen all the money and I was like, this is all fake. And I didn't know anything about real estate. I didn't know that there was going to be a real estate bubble, but I knew that whatever was going on, it wasn't going to be sustainable. And I wanted to make sure that I could pay my bills, even if I lost my job. And so that was kind of the criteria for choosing the house that we originally chose back in 2006. Um, so so I, I was making a decent income, but I was able to pay all my bills. I didn't need the money from Angie's Gardens. So what we were able to do is we were able to take that money and continually reinvest it. Um, sometimes Angie would get a check. Um, and I knew that I knew that pricing the products, we needed to price in the labor of making the products, commission for selling the products, um, you know, overhead. I knew all of that needed to be priced into the cost of the product. But I didn't take that out of the cost of the product. I put that into buying more inventory, buying more supplies, um, and, and things like that. And and my wife even made a comment like, you know, we're always working. We're always doing all this work. And it's like there's no benefit. Are we ever going to get paid? And I was like, you know, yeah, you can. I mean, we're making $200 a week. You can take that and, you know, you'll be $200 a week richer. But that, that's not, that wasn't my goal. My goal wasn't to make $200 a week. My goal was to be able to grow the business to a size where we could, you know, work from home and, and have the freedom uh, to do what we wanted to do. And so within, well, we hired a full-time employee to, to come start helping with production um, December of 2019. So pretty much a year after we decided to do other markets. And that was a big step for Angie. She didn't, you know, she wasn't comfortable with that. And we didn't have a manufacturing facility. This was a in-home business. So basically we had somebody come in the home and help with production. It was a home-based business. Um, 
you know, and, and it was, it, you know, it was uncomfortable, but it was something that we needed to do to be able to grow the business to the size where uh, we weren't always having to make all the product, you know, we could have help with packaging, labeling, you know, organizing, things like that. And so, so we did, and I got a number in my head that, you know, okay, this is when, if, if we stay consistent, you know, with this revenue, then our profit is going to be this, and we'll be able to pay ourselves this, and then, you know, as long as that's consistent, um, we'll be good to go, and I can quit my job. Then, in March, they shut everything down, so uh, we, we had two weeks, I think, where all the markets were completely shut down, and then since Walmart and everybody was still open, you know, they were like, well, hell, if Walmart's open, then we can have a farmer's market. So they started slowly reopening the markets. Our income came back, but it actually, it actually grew because nobody knew what was going on, but everybody knew that, you know, there were, you know, certain herbs that could help, um, you know, boost immune immunity and things like that. And, and we had those products. And so, um, you know, we, we made it through that and we've, we've been consistent since then. And it's Thanksgiving. It was a year that we had been hitting our numbers and I decided, well, it's time to, it's time to flip the switch and go full time. Wow. Wow. That is awesome and encouraging even for me because that's, that's my goal. And that's something I really need to keep in mind. I'm with bringing in a helper because I'm my, my wife, she, she she can't really help a whole lot because we we have a child with a lot of health issues and and he's on a ventilator and stuff and so she's with him 24/7 and so I'm I'm alone doing all this work for the the business and it's it's overwhelming especially working my 55 hour a week job during the week it's just I can't get caught up and I I have all this inventory where I'm like I know if I just were to focus on all this, I, I could bring in a great income, but I just, I don't have the time yeah. and I don't have the, the means right now where I can just quit my job and pursue it full time because it's just too much of a risk right now. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I didn't either, you know, and that's why we decided to, and, and you know, when, when Jack talks about when he started, I mean, you know, he, he did the same thing. He was working 50, 60, 70 hours a week and, you know, he just, he was dedicated, you know, he did what he had to do. He didn't take any money. I mean, he wasn't making any money, you know? Uh, so, so he For just the first, like, what was it like two years? He, he wasn't before he decided to make a membership program. Yeah. I don't know what the timeline was, but, but I mean, and, and that's, that's you. I think, I think, you know, Jack talks about side hustles all the time. And I think that side hustles for certain people can be okay. I don't like them. Uh, it's something that it's something that I feel like is not not permanent, and I feel like it's something that's not really going to help you achieve uh, your financial goals. When I think of a side hustle, I think uh, I mean I I know that there's a lot of different side hustles, but I think of somebody you know collecting aluminum cans and you know turning them in and it's like right. I, I mean and that's the same thing like we could have done one or two markets a week and had a lot more time and enjoyed our time a lot better and we could have made two three hundred dollars a week but that's not financial freedom no that's, that's just having a little bit of extra money and if you make two or three hundred dollars extra a week and you put it into savings for 30 years well maybe you can retire better but that's not what i would want either you know, I was wanting something where I could retire or at least be my own boss for real, like my real own boss. Like there's nobody telling me what to do um, very soon, you know, uh, and I could have I could have made the transition sooner. But I also wanted to make sure that it would be permanent and sustainable. And I think that now that we had the pandemic, um, you know, and we made it through that uh, without you know, one or two weeks only without hitting those numbers that we needed to hit. Uh, I feel safe in, in that decision. Right. So, uh, yeah. And when, when you were talking about the, the side hustles, um, I, I, I guess you could, some people could view it as like, Oh, we're 
taking our side hustle and we're going to grow it into a full-time business. But the problem there becomes you're still viewing it as a side hustle. If you're going to be doing like what I'm doing, where I'm working 50, 55 hours a week for my employer and then doing my, my other businesses on the side, I, I usually like to refer to those as my primary business. And then I, I joke around and I call my uh, one for my employer, my side hustle, because <laughs> it's kind of changing that mindset where this is, this is my business. This is what is going to be my full income. And if you just keep viewing it as just that side hustle, that that side income, then you'll never pursue it full time to grow it. You know, that, that, that is an excellent point. And I think another thing that people really need to, to be careful of is taking on too much at one time. You know, I had to I had to give up Texas Edible Landscapes in order to grow Angie's Gardens. Um, Angie's Gardens wasn't my passion. It was Angie's, you know. But at the end of the day, she was getting customers. And I so with Texas Edible Landscapes, I had a ton of people that were interested but had no money. And then I had a lot of people that had money but weren't interested, you know. And, and so, you know, at the end of the day, I had to make a decision like I can't work full time, help Angie get her business off the ground and try to get Texas Edible Landscapes off the ground. I have to focus on the one that has potential. And, and then once we get that going, then I can redirect my focus back to Texas Edible Landscapes. And I have other, I have other things that I want to do now too, like the house, um, the house that I just moved out of, I'm owner financing that, you know, so um, I got a great down payment on it. I'm getting monthly payments with a great interest rate, you know, since I'm owner financing. Um, and then talk, go, you know, bringing this back to taxes, um, the, the, the property that we bought, it's a half acre. Well, uh, probably one fifth of that is taken up by a 30 by 30 shop with its own driveway to the street. So that's a detached metal shop. Um, it's insulated. We put power and water into it. And that is Angie's Gardens warehousing and manufacturing facility. So now it has its own facility. Well, with the tax code, you're only allowed to take off 10% for the business use of your home. Well, my home is 1,800 square feet. That's 900 square feet. And it's taken up property on my land. So that's that's 50% that that's that we're paying not 10 percent. so what i did you know thinking outside the box was yeah i i created its own address with the post office it's got its own mailbox it's got its own power meter it's got its own water everything is its own so another thing that i did is i set up a commercial real estate investment between myself and angie's gardens so angie's gardens is actually paying rent um, to me, because rental income is taxed differently, uh, you know, real estate investment is taxed differently than regular income. So I'm so I'm getting that income is coming from Angie's Gardens, which is the business, but it's not my regular paycheck uh, that Angie's Gardens gives me. So I've already got re- two real estate investments under my belt. Um, that's another thing that I'm going to pursue, and I think that the market's going to be really good for that here in the next few months. Um, but one thing at a time. You know, one thing at a time. If I, if I was to try to do real estate investing, Texas Edible Landscapes, uh, appliance repair, Angie's Gardens, and work, I'd fail at all of them. You know. Right, right. That's something I have to keep telling myself as well because I, I, I'm always trying to take on too much, and I, I keep getting all these light bulbs lighting up where I'm, I'm like, oh, I could be doing this, I could be doing this for money, and I'm like, just trying to do way too much when I should be focusing on one or two things. But well, when you were talking about uh, having a separate address and, and that being beneficial, I, I actually, I don't know why, I haven't even looked into that yet. And I, my property, so I own an acre and actually half of my lot is a separate tax ID. And I, I don't know if you know, but I do uh, reselling on eBay and I, I was considering buying a pole barn and, and using that as my warehouse. So it might be worth looking into for me to see what kind of benefit it would be in Michigan to 
have it on my separate tax ID because it, it sounds to me that it'd probably be the best choice. It, it, it absolutely would be. I mean, the, see, Angie's Gardens, when before we moved into this property, we it was a home-based business, like I said, but we couldn't store everything that we needed to make the products at home. And so we had a, we were renting three storage facilities just right outside the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, we were paying over $500 a month for that storage. Well, all of that money was tax deductible that we were paying the storage. Why not have it be tax deductible, but pay it to me? Right, right. So, uh, you know, uh, the, the real estate was a five-year five lease, just like any normal commercial real estate lease. And I gave Angie's Gardens a great deal. It's a dollar a square foot, you know. I put the water in as a landlord. I put the power in, but they're responsible for, you know, Angie's Gardens is responsible for paying that bill. And all of that's tax deductible. Um, but, the and I don't know how it's going to be in Michigan, the easiest way that it was for me to create that address is call 911 addressing. You call 911 addressing, you tell them where the building is, um, and it has to have access. So you would need, you know, uh, some way to bring a vehicle into it doesn't even have to be paid, but some some access. Um, they there will, already is. I, I I actually opened up the fencing to where I can pull my truck back there. So yeah, that's all I need. So so uh, you know they did it right there on the first phone call within like two minutes. You know down here. Wow. So they were like, okay, here's the address. I was like, okay, what do I do with that? And they were like, uh, just call the post office and tell them that it's created in our system and they'll create it in their system. So I called the post office and I expected it to be some long drawn out three month ordeal. No, the post office had it created on the first phone call as well. Wow, that's so awesome. I was like, oh crap, I guess I need to go get a mailbox. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> that's really awesome. I'm definitely going to be looking into that here soon. Uh, the only issue right now I'm having is I, I went to go look at uh, some of my tax info, and for some reason, that separate lot was never put into my name. So I'm going to have to dig up some paperwork and, and go up to my city clerk and see what the hell is going on. Yeah, so I th this is only one plot. This is one legal you know, lot. It's not, it's not two lots. Um, but nobody asked me who I was. So, you know, I mean, this yeah, is technical, but, but, uh, you know, I mean, I would just try it, just call them with the, you know, don't, without doing all the hard work, just call 911 addressing and be like, Hey, I got this building. I need an address for it. See what they say. You know, they might just give you one. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> even the post office, they didn't even ask me for like, you know, if I lived here, nothing. I just told them, Hey, I just got a phone <laughs> 911 and here's an address. You need to put it in your system. And they were like, okay. I'm surprised because usually dealing with anything government is like pulling teeth. It's like, oh, it's yeah, yeah. the longest process usually. All they said is make sure there's a mailbox there. We're going to send a postcard and make sure it can get mail. Yeah. So for anybody listening, I, I actually did purchase some uh, products from Angie's Gardens and they're, they are just phenomenal. Like uh, those teas you sent me, you sent me all those samples. Wow. I'm definitely going to be purchasing some, some more tea from you. And, um, I, I had that sample product too. I, I'm, I'm not going to exactly talk about it, what it is yet until you officially are selling it. But that, that was, that was really great too. As far as the, so I did see that you sent what looks like soap. Um, what, what exactly is that soap? Uh, I can't exactly remember what I sent. I think it was a CBD calendula soap. So like a, a hand soap or a body soap. It was a bar, right? Like a little sample yep. bar. Yep. 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 Yeah. That was a, that was a CBD calendula soap. And we, we have two CBD soaps. One of them is the calendula, which is really good for the skin. Um, very moisturizing. And then also a CBD charcoal uh, activated charcoal soap, which is going to be very good for um, skin issues. So psoriasis, eczema, things like that. It's going to help pull toxins from the body. Awesome. And I, I do uh, deal with psoriasis sometimes. Sometimes I'll have an outbreak, but awesome. Uh, well, we'll definitely have to stay in contact as, as far as uh, you were talking about advertisements and stuff. Maybe we can work something out and uh, you you did say that you have a, 
a coupon code that my listeners can use. Did you do you have that pulled up? I, I don't know if I. Yeah, it's gonna. I, I don't think I sent it to you, but um, it's BTS one zero two one. So breaking breaking the system is going to be ten percent off. So B so BST ten breaking this BTS ten uh, and then twenty one for the year. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll link that in the show notes. Is there any other uh, websites, links, social media stuff you want to mention before we go? Uh, I'm not on social media, really. I mean, you can find me on Facebook and uh, uh, MeWe. I mean, I'm on there. Uh, I don't get any love anywhere, but I don't really do anything on there. So you can find me. You can find Texas Edible Landscapes. You can find Angie's Gardens. Um, Angie's Gardens is active on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we're not real happy with Facebook. I don't think many people are right now, but uh, right. she still is kind of using that um, just because her customers are there. So uh, you can find her there, but you can find us really at angiesgardens.com or txediblelandscapes.com. And if you're in the greater Houston area um, and you need your appliances fixed, you can go to joshesappliance.com and find me there as well. Awesome. And my, my listeners will appreciate this, but he does take cryptocurrency. So keep that in mind. That's how we did our transaction and it, it was flawless. So I did, I did have a payment portal on the website for crypto, but it was very confusing to people. Um, you know, some people aren't as smart as the website. So <laughs> I, took that, I took that off. And, um, and if you want to pay with crypto, uh, just shoot me an email. There's contact form on the website. Or, uh, or, you know, get in touch and we will figure that out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Josh. And we'll, we'll have to uh, stay in contact and possibly have you back on in the future. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Josh. All right. All right. That's all I have for you today. If you want to show Josh your love and support, I will link all of those websites down in the show notes below. Down there, you can also find links to my website and social medias, and I will see you next time. Bye.